First of all, pastors think that uh, that their calling is to preach and lead and and uh, and all those things, and they're absolutely wrong. That is just simply not true. Their calling is to be with Him. Their calling is to deepen their love life with the Lord. The, the perennial question is, Peter, do you love me? If you love me, then you can be useful to me in feeding sheep. But pastoring itself is a metaphor for watching. Shepherds do feed. That's true. Shepherds do lead. That's true. Shepherds protect. That's true. But the perennial thing a shepherd does is he watches. Shamar in Hebrew. It means to take a position in the interest of God with regard to a person, a people, a place, or a thing. It is the role of intercessor. The premier role of a pastor is prayer. Today on Unite, Doug Small wants to remind pastors about their biblical job description and talk about the 20th annual Pastors Prayer Summit coming up in February. Here's Nehemiah Network's team leader, Pastor Ray Williams. It's great to uh, have today on our broadcast uh, a special friend, Doug Small, who is the president of Alive Ministry Project Pray. He's a pastor, a national prayer leader, but uh, really, Doug, most of all, I, the thing I count as a privilege is that I can call you a friend. And one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on our broadcast today is that uh, it was almost 20 years ago that you were a part of the very first prayer summit in central Arkansas. And this February, February 27th and 28th of 2017, we'll actually be having our 20th prayer summit. And so I want to visit with you about that first uh, summit in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to just invite you to share with our listeners how you have continued to be involved in leading prayer uh, ministry and movements across the country. So uh, share with us about your ministry and what you're doing today. Well, the years in which I work with the Pastors Prayer Summit Movement and International Renewal Ministries were just absolutely incredible years. I think I, uh, my portfolio was the 12 southern states, and I tracked through about 100 cities and probably prayed with about 5,000 pastors just across the uh, continuum. And these were, in those days, four-day prayer summits. <laughs> the idea of getting on a bus, going out of town for four days and just praying morning, noon, and night. And the time seemed to fly by. I think that was an era in which God was tirelessly through the Holy Spirit calling pastors back to himself. Out of that have come many, many wonderful movements like you have there in, in Little Rock, uh, uh, continues in Tuscaloosa, in Birmingham, in in Miami and so many, many other cities where prayer has become the foundation for touching the pain of the city and loving it open to the gospel of Christ. And that really was the ultimate goal of all of that. And how, how have you continued, Doug, since we were together, you know, in those early days of the summit? How has God continued to lead you in providing prayer leadership around the country? I, I have to admit that I, I, we felt like uh, we, that while prayer has standalone value, that we were mobilizing a force of pastors in the city that would develop a long-term strategy for impacting their city, and that didn't that didn't happen. And uh, one of the things that I saw was that we lacked resources for the local church. 
we didn't really, we have houses of praise and preaching, but not houses of prayer. So one of the things I've done in the interim is pull back and develop resources for uh, local churches. We've, we've created what we call the Praying Church Movement. We're now launching a prayer trainers effort for local churches where three to 12 congregations can come together and strengthen and deepen their prayer life in their local church. We've, we've just launched in a couple of counties in Georgia, uh, Salty Groups, which is our effort to engage the marketplace, embedded, embedding prayer groups into the marketplace, and then taking a look at not just mobilizing pastors, but mobilizing Nehemiahs and Esther Mordecai's, three streams in the city. We found out that less than 5% of the cities in which we work took prayer to their local church or moved beyond prayer to uh, care coalitions, as you did in, in Little Rock, and to uh, developing a city impact strategy that was multi-year. All of us thought that we would have seen a great awakening by now. You know, we, uh, the whole nation would have been, a, and it, it, it's just taking longer than we thought. So we continue to back up and punt and say, okay, we missed this piece, we need this piece, and recalibrate to create a movement of pervasive prayer that manifests itself in incarnational ministry of love and care that opens the city to say, who are you people and why do you care so much? And we, we long to see that great awakening where 10% of the population of America swept into the kingdom of God in a, in a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And I continue to be inspired by how you continue to provide leadership in this area and have done that so faithfully since we met you know, almost 20 years ago. Now, I'm testing our memories here a little bit, Doug, but uh, I remember calling International Renewal Ministry and saying something like, hey, we believe God wants us to have a prayer summit here in central Arkansas. And they said, well, we, we found that it's wise to uh, maybe connect you with someone who knows about our ministry and discern together if the Spirit's leading in that. And so they they said there's this guy named Doug Small that's uh, on his way across country. Maybe he could stop in Little Rock. And so I think right. he graciously agreed to to meet a group of pastors early one Monday morning to just see where we were. And then uh, that led to a journey that led to our first prayer summit in January of 1998. Uh, right. But I, I want to see, what do you remember about uh, those early, I, early I, days moving in Little Rock? I remember journeying through central Arkansas and stopping there. I don't know, was it about a dozen, uh, 12, 13 pastors that were there that morning? I believe that's but right. But I remember where I was sitting at the table. And what I remember about that, I remember you got, you got the fellowship Bible stream. You had a, a Methodist pastor there. You had Alton Garrison, who is now the uh, general assistant superintendent for the Assemblies of God. You, you had um, a number of Baptist uh, pastors there. You had uh, black and white. And I remember the diversity. And I remember the hunger in the city. And I, I remember the... It's that high watermark where we're above the fences again, where our differences are important to us, but they don't matter as much as the city and reaching the city. And the one thing we can do together is pray. And uh, I was so heartened by that uh, by that meeting, and of course, what what developed out of that meeting. As old as I am, it's good to have a 20-year memory as fresh as that. But I remember that moment and. Uh, and uh, you're saying, uh, all of you saying, well, let, let's let's think about this. I, I remember 
there were electors in the room about four days. We're going to go to pray for four days. And we kept saying, no, we think that that, that is really the minimum that you need <laughs> to really put yourself and your heart in a place to hear from God together. And the idea of the spiritual elders of a city across denominational lines blocking off their calendar, getting out of town and shutting off their cell phones to say, God, we care about our city. Talk to us about Little Rock. That's, that's a powerful idea. It, 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 sadly, after 20 years, it still hasn't caught on. We still don't understand the importance or significance, but you're one of the cities that demonstrates what God can do when pastors begin to listen to God together. And one of the things I think I can remember that inspired many of us is there was this sense that this was not an idea that we had, but this was a movement of God that had really started years before us and that we were being invited to join into that. And and you told stories about uh, how the prayer summit movement had begun uh, up in the Northwest. I wonder if you could share some of that story of Dr. Aldridge in those early days of the prayer summit. You know, they got a call from a, a, a city that, that said, you know, a bunch of us pastors want to go away. We feel like we need someone out of town who is neutral to facilitate this. And Joe, Joe was such a gracious guy. And uh, he and Terry Dirks went down and facilitated this four-day experience. And, and both Terry and Joe are with the Lord now. And uh, Terry, Terry said, I remember us driving home that Thursday night, and, and Joe was so excited. He said, you know, Terry, what if another city called us to do this? In fact, what if two or three other cities called us to do this? This would be powerful. And they began to reflect on what had happened at that summit. And, you know, one of the micro stories out of that first summit was D. Duke, who uh, had uh, pastored there in Jefferson City, Oregon, in a little town of about 1,700 for, uh, for 12 years. His, his, the love of his life was dairy farming. <laughs> and he wanted to go to Cannon Beach. They served ice cream. He he he, uh, he said, I'm addicted to ice cream. And God convicted him and said, D, you are not a man of prayer. And he said, I've never prayed more than 15 minutes in my life. And he came back, and instead of reading a letter of resignation, he fell across his pulpit and repented before his congregation for his lack of prayer, told them that he was committed to be a man of prayer, and it was to be the first thing in his life. And God broke him loose from the 100 to 200 plateau that he had bumped around for 12 years until the church exploded, until at least for a season, I don't know where it is now, it was running more than they than live in the little town of Jefferson City, Oregon. And here's the other thing. Every church in that city experienced lift because they began to meet and pray together. And God began to do a mighty work. Well, the truth is that... that, that um, Joe and Terry backed into what was on the heart of God. And around the world, I think the last count was 350, 400 cities that were touched with the prayer summit movement. Uh, some like your city, multiple, it's ongoing. Some one time and, and they didn't, uh, uh, and they didn't continue. Here in the Southeast, it was about 40 cities where pastors went to, uh, uh, summit. I think the regrettable thing is that our dream was that the pastors would go and then congregations would go to summit, and then marketplace people would go to summit in the various marketplace tribes, and then intercessors would go to summit until we had a full-blown movement of prayer across the entire city. And, and that, has, that has not happened. We, 
we're, we're still dealing with kindling wood that burns quickly. We, we haven't ignited the oak logs uh, yet. And, and so the prayer movement is still spitting and sputtering, sparking. Uh, we, we, we haven't seen it ignite in the prolific sense that we need to see it ignite to see a great awakening. Well, and this is a, a, a question that uh, that maybe puts you a little on the spot, but uh, given that there are dreams that those that are part of the early part of the movement have had that we haven't yet seen fulfilled, those in our audience who might be listening to our broadcast, especially pastors, and if we're talking about the continued value of the prayer summit, you know, we've seen summits kind of change in the way that in their length and and, and form, but what would you say to a pastor who was listening about the value, continued value, of pastors coming away together to seek God on behalf of their community? Well, well, well first of all, pastors think that uh, that their calling is to preach and lead and and uh, and all those things, and they're absolutely wrong. That, that's just simply not true. Their calling is to be with Him. Their calling is to deepen their love life with the Lord. The, the perennial question is, Peter, do you love me? If you love me, then you can be useful to me in feeding sheep. But pastoring itself is a metaphor for watching. Shepherds do feed. That's true. Shepherds do lead. That's true. Shepherds protect. That's true. But the perennial thing a shepherd does is he watches. Shamar in Hebrew. It means to take a position in the interest of God with regard to a person, a people, a place, or a thing. It is the role of intercessor. The premier role of a pastor is prayer. It's to be with him and out of that to lead. To be with him and out of that to say, here's what the Lord has been whispering to me this week. Here's how I've stained my Bible with, 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 with tears. And, and, then, and then the corporate aspect is that we're not to simply pastor churches in isolation, which are only touching 17.7% of the population in any county on a given Sunday. We're to pastor the city. And only pastors together can pastor the mayor and the news media and, and, and the mafia and the drug dealers. We're to pastor the city. We're to pastor the city. We are to deal with the wolves and the and, and the lions and the bears and other things. We have our sheep in little enclaves that, that are safe. And, and the truth is the world isn't like this. And we are pretending that the world is like it is not. We come to church and sing happy music and, and we want a sermon that encourages us. And we're failing to engage the culture in a prophetic, missional kind of way that, that calls for the name of Christ to be glorified, the kingdom of God to be advanced, and the will of God to be pursued in our city. And, and so you can't do this as a pastor alone. You cannot fulfill your obligation as a pastor alone. And that idea of getting alone with God and the times in a summit where the facilitator says, won't you take your Bible and a notepad, and I want you to go away for two hours, and I want you to struggle with God over this passage. That rarely happens. Then I want you to come back and get in this group and Talk to one another and pastors about well, what is God saying to you? The whole issue of transformational prayer as opposed to transactional prayer. Intercession is a transaction. Petition is a transaction. And that's where our prayer is centered. 
but what, what has to happen for transaction in us and through us to have power is that it has to be centered in transformation. And that means time with nothing else but God and other people that love Him and open Bibles struggling to hear Him together and letting that word that we're hearing echoed in our heart be confirmed in the mouth of two to three others and then walking separately together in the mission of what God has called me to do in my congregation, but also realizing that I can't do this by myself. God, God would not do this by ourselves. You know, sadly, he's, he's going to use the Southern Baptist. Now, us, some of us Pentecostals, we don't want him to do that at all. Sadly, he's going to use Pentecostals. You know, he's going to use, he needs all of us. Building in front of our house our piece of the wall until we begin to see not just renewal in our churches, but impact in our cities. Yeah, and you use the word transformation a couple of times there, and impact in our cities. And it seems like I recall that Dr. Aldridge uh, had this saying or progression, and you might could uh, help me and our listeners uh, with this, but I believe he said to have impact or transformation in the city that, that you needed healthy churches and leaders and to have those. You needed unity uh, before before you could have unity. Uh, you needed humility, and that humility could only come when there was brokenness that came from recognizing the holiness of God. Am, am I getting that close to right? That's exactly right. And his point was for for a three or four day summit, you needed that much time to roll away the layers and see the holiness of God. And his contention was, and I think he's absolutely right that 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 we have this superficial therapy view of God. And we have not, we've lost our all of God. And when you begin to get in the presence of God, he starts unwrapping the layers of worldliness that are on us that we don't even see. And we're suddenly humble. We need more summits. We have microwave kind of Christianity now. We need to marinate. A summit, you go away it's, it's like working outside on a day that's partly overcast. And it isn't for two or three days later that you realize you got sunburn. I, I, I've walked away from summits, and for two to three weeks, I felt the burn in my heart, the power of being with God. I've looked back at my marked-up Bible. I've seen how God recalibrated my life, changed me, recentered me, refocused me, gave me something from somebody that I, I mean, what happens in a summit is the ground is so level. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear people say, and you say, what church is he from? Oh, goodness gracious. And I wouldn't have thought they were like that. And some guy begins to unpack something out of his brokenness that just breaks your heart. And you realize how precious all of us are, how valuable all of us are, how much we can learn from everybody. You don't have a hierarchical thing. You, you have level ground. And the holiness of God always issues forth in this humility, as you said, and, and unity and healthy community. Doug, as always, it is so great to, to be with you, uh, even if it's just for a short time today. You know, in our audience, uh, there are likely pastors who may even remember that very first prayer summit that we experienced together. Uh, there perhaps are others who, who are just hearing about prayer summit for the very first time. Uh, those who've been to prayer summits, uh, it's been 20 years, maybe thinking, as, as we've even talked about today, what difference has this made? 
and then as and then for those who who've never experienced a summit, what would you say to those two different groups? Go to the prayer summit. If you're a layman, if you're a layman, go to your pastor and say, Pastor, nothing is more important in this day and hour than you're shutting everything down, getting your Bible, getting on that bus and going out of town. Go, Pastor. Go pray. Go meet with God. The city needs a visitation of God. Go sit at the elders' council and spend that three days in prayer. Every pastor ought to go. Every pastor in Little Rock ought to go. Every layman ought to insist, Pastor, you've got to go. I mean, churches report everywhere. Our pastor came back. He's different. Something happened to him. God met him because that's exactly what God does at these summits. Well, thank you for uh, helping us to both remember kind of that first prayer summit, but also encouraging us about a continuation and faithfulness to what God's doing. Beyond the summit, beyond prayer summits, you've continued, as you mentioned earlier in our time, you, you've continued to work in the, in the area of prayer. How could I, if I'm a pastor and I'm wanting to grow in my understanding of leading prayer in my church, what would you suggest? Well, join the praying church movement. Uh, we now have a program to certify training facilitators that allow groups of churches to come together four times a year. Doesn't sound like a lot, but what we're trying to do is change the culture of the church. It's not just information, but formation. And then we have a number of other resources that you can uh, get, anything from uh, schools of prayer that are video-driven to uh, having me or one of our presenters come and do a, a three-hour or six-hour school of prayer in, in a local church. And, and, of course, the other thing is establish a prayer council in your city. Establish a prayer leadership team in your uh, church. Join the One Cry effort, which is a national effort to identify intercessors in a congregation, in a city, in a region. Bill Eliff uh, in your city is deeply involved in, in that process. God is waking us up that his house should be a house of prayer for the nations. And, Doug, uh, I suspect you have a website where our listeners could visit to see some of these resources? Uh, yeah, projectpray.org. And let me mention this one. There's a website called americapray.net. And beginning in January at 9 o'clock every night, January 1 through 22, we will do a national virtual prayer meeting It'll be a phone conference call for, for 90 minutes. And you'll have national leaders on here. You'll hear stories about prayer and revival. There'll be an afterglow. Last year, Claude King, the well-known Southern Baptist, co-hosted this with me. This year, Tom Phillips of BGEA, we're using his devotional book every day as devotionals. He will be assisting. Kay Horner of Cry Out America will be. And so every night, the nation can meet. We've got room for, I think, 6,000 people to be on this phone call every night, listening in, hearing the stories about revival and prayer in, in the nation. That's americapray.net. That's fantastic. And we'll put a link on our website, nehemiahnetwork.org, that will assist people, our listeners, in, in getting to those links as well. Well, Doug, thank you again for uh, being with us today. And if I could just ask one more thing, because you are such a powerful prayer warrior, could we invite you as we finish our broadcast just to pray for the prayer movement and leaders in central Arkansas? Thank you for the 
the, the compliment. Lord, we do pray. We pray for Central Arkansas. Uh, we pray for Ray and so many others that I could name who have been involved in this over the years. We pray for unity in the church. We pray for the kind of holy desperation that casts us on you and you alone, that comes to the end of our own strength and our own pragmatic ingenuity and says, Lord, unless you build the house, we labor in vain. We thank you, Lord, for other cities that have been at it for 10 years and 20 years where revival has now flashed forth, as in West Virginia in one place, where 3,000 people came to Jesus Christ. And in uh, Georgia, where after 10 years of persistence, they've seen a citywide move of God. We pray that you would reward the diligence of those in central Arkansas who have been at it relentlessly for 20 years with a flashpoint of your glory and, a, and an awakening, not only in Little Rock, but one that's seeded throughout the state. And we ask this for the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, Doug, thank you for joining us today. It's always great to be with you. It is an honor. Thank you. Our thanks to Doug Small, pastor and president of Project Pray, and to Ray Williams for today's program. If you're a pastor or you want your pastor to be a part of next February's historic 20th Annual Pastor's Prayer Summit, head to the Nehemiah Network website. It's nehemiahnetwork.org. You've been listening to Unite from the Nehemiah Network, uniting the church, pastors, and Christian leaders in Central Arkansas so Jesus will be known and God will be glorified. I'm Mike Clowers. Thank you for listening.